opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. There's a new video game for the blind and visually impaired with lots of action and fantasy. The game follows a young blind sister who was sheltered for most of her childhood, and she goes on an exciting adventure. The game is called The Veil. To tell us more about The Veil and how you can play is Dave Evans. Yahoo Finance reports that Dave Evans is the game's creator. He's also the founder of video game studio Falling Squirrel. Falling Squirrel creates compelling story-driven games with the goal of pioneering advances in audio-based game mechanics and narrative design for the visually impaired. Hi, Dave. How you doing, Brian? Good. How are you? I'm very good, yes. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, um, I am a video game developer um, located in uh, Canada, in the Niagara region, and I uh, used to be a, a, a filmmaker and uh, a film writer, and I got into video games about uh, 10 years ago, and uh, I've slowly worked my way from doing the cinemas for games into doing uh, video games, and um, this all-audio game project was an opportunity for me to uh, do what I love to do, which is tell stories in uh, initially in a, in a very uh, less expensive way because I, I didn't have to, to uh, put as much money in doing visuals. And lo and behold, I realized there's this captive audience for audio games. Um, and uh, that's, that's where this all started. It's a big audience these days, especially with eSports, with people competing to play yep. video games for big money and prizes. Yep. Your company, Falling Squirrel, creates compelling story-driven games with pioneering advances in audio-based game mechanics and narrative design for the visually impaired like us. Tell us more about Falling Squirrel. Um, yeah, we, we started, as I sort of was hinting on, I, I, I started the company to, to basically do this game. This is our, our first um, in-studio game. Um, I had uh, initially uh, been doing service work for other game companies uh, mostly in uh, the storytelling uh, area, narrative design and design. And uh, again, uh, as a small company starting out, I, I needed a relatively uh, inexpensive uh, way to, to start um, uh, working on uh, my own design ideas. And uh, the idea of doing an all audio game appealed to me hugely because it really focused on what I felt I was good at and what the company is good at, which is telling stories, working with voice actors, uh, that's what I did in uh, AAA, um, worked with uh, professional actors and directed them in studio. Um, and so I thought this would be a, a good fit. And uh, Falling Squirrel uh, hooked up with the CNIB, which is uh, an organization in Canada, the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, uh, once I realized that there was a, a very specific market for a game like this. And uh, we worked together to start to, to develop this game and bring... Um, a, uh, a medieval fantasy action adventure game to uh, uh, to the world. That first in studio project is called the Veil. What's the Veil? Uh, the Veil is uh, an action adventure game set in a medieval time period. Um, it's it's fairly uh, um, 
realistically grounded. It's not high fantasy, but there are little bits of magic and, uh, and the supernatural that work in. Uh, it's a similar uh, tone maybe to um, Game of Thrones, but much more family friendly than Game of Thrones. And uh, it follows the story of a, a blind princess that's um, been abandoned out in the wild. She was supposed to look after a castle hundreds of miles away from uh, her um, hometown to sort of like solidify um, sort of control over a region and a big army sweeps through and unseats her and now she has to make the hundred mile journey back home uh, to safety and she basically um, meets a shepherd on the road and he and her work together. He's, he's injured um, and uh, but sighted and she's blind but a competent fighter and together they're able to um, make it from one end of the of the uh, world uh, to the other, um, exploring and discovering um, secrets about their pasts, um, learning about secrets about the, the land. Um, and, and the main element of gameplay is uh, combat um, in real time, uh, action-based combat, uh, sword fighting, and exploration, where you go into sort of a dungeon or a village and you walk around a 3D soundscape and uh, discover things, unlock quests, um, uh, discover loot, that sort of thing. What's the storyline? Um, you, um, as as a um, the younger sister of the new king, um, you basically your uh, as your sort of your father's um, dying wish was to sort of move you out of the area. You always felt like underappreciated by your father, um, but as you slowly move back, you start to gain confidence in yourself. And you start to understand more about your family and its history. And you basically end up becoming, uh, very gradually um, through this adventure, um, a competent leader uh, and a possible, um, uh, a, a proper support to the kingdom uh, and your, your brother. Um, and there's a lot of uh, side stories um, uh, because it's, um, it's, it's an action adventure, but it's not linear. So as you move through the world, you take on quests that will allow you to be introduced to other characters and other stories within the realm. Um, and it, it basically plays out um, uh, over about five to six hours of gameplay, um, sort of RPG light, but uh, definitely action adventure at its core. All right. So the elder brother takes this throne. The game yes. player is the younger sister who becomes a warden of the outskirts of a kingdom. Yes. The younger sister has been blind since birth, sheltered for most of her childhood, and now wants an adventure. How yes. does the adventure play out? Um, the adventure uh, plays out um, w uh, where the player makes choices for this character. Um, so, the general through line is your return to home and civilization. Uh, but you get to explore the world and take on quests by helping people and essentially solidifying um, your own, um, uh, what's the word? Your, uh, I guess uh, you, you get to assume uh, a, a sort of a role of leadership as you go and uh, uncover secrets about the realm. You uncover magic. That's a, a big part of this game um, is that um, uh, it does play off of a, a trope within the blind community, the idea of, of uh, people uh, with visual impairments having uh, heightened senses. 
um, and it's sort of an analog or analogous to, to the magic, the idea that uh, characters within this world who are willing to listen, A, are better leaders. I think that's sort of a message that's universal nowadays. People that listen are better leaders and are more in tune with the world um, can basically assume certain powers um, in this world. So magic is centered around the ability um, to listen and be attuned to your world. So that's a power she discovers, which isn't limited to, to um, visually impaired characters in the game because there's more than a few um, but it's certainly something that she's able to use an advantage in her combat um, and uh, as she um, takes on quests in the in the world this is a fantasy game similar to as you said game of thrones you can add the legend of zelda and the final fantasy fantasy series to those because mm -hmm. The younger sister takes this caravan to the borderlands. A huge invading army, Vanguard, attacks the caravan towards the capital. The player escapes and finds herself in hostile lands and alone. A local shepherd helps the younger sister survive these long, dangerous, and dark valleys that leads her home. Um, what truths does the game reveal about the younger sister's family, people, and land? Can you reveal those? Um, actually, uh, no, that's it's actually a quite a big uh, twist in the game. Um, what I can say is what I sort of already alluded to is that um, just sort of similar to Game of Thrones, but in a lot of um, sort of uh, not high fantasy stories, uh, magic isn't common in the world. Um, so her discovering magic gives her certain insights um, into um, secrets within the world. There's a whole Fey realm, I, which uh, you, you discover fairly early on in the game, so I don't mind talking about that. There's um, a, a realm, basically, that has um, a desire to control um, this world uh, and the people within it. And this invading force and the character you play and your brother and other main characters are all sort of um, pawns in this game um, as uh, where this, where some sort of fey entity, which we don't disclose till the end, is uh, basically uh, trying to control the world, and your character needs to uh, needs to discover uh, the why, uh, why this is happening, and needs to work to, to figure out how to stop it. Um, but there's some specific secrets that she uncovers that I, I won't reveal to some to people playing it. <laughs> okay, no, not too many spoilers, but that's okay. <laughs> I understand, though. Let's get techie. The Veil's okay. got some unique technical features. There's exploration, combat mechanics, haptic controller feedback, 3D spatial audio. Talk about all these things. Keep it user-friendly, though. Yeah. Um, well, the first thing is, um, in terms of people picking up and play the game, um, they don't need to, to know much. All the things they have are, are readily available. Um, it's... Um, uh, hap, sorry, binaural audio um, is something that uh, we do all under the hood in the video game. Uh, all the player needs is a stereo headset. Um, this is something that I'm, I'm sure a lot of visually impaired people who play video games are aware of. There's quite a few games out there that, that leverage this technology, um, but it's something that's getting really, really good because of uh, VR. Um, the, the VR market um, and tech is driving uh, advances in this spatialized audio. Um, and uh, I would say five or 10 years ago, you'd have to develop your own ways of doing it. And now there's tons of stuff out there that allow you to get spatialized audio. Um, and anybody who's um, experienced sort of that SMMS, oh gosh, 
SMNR. Oh my goodness. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> anyway, that, that uh, sensory experience where people talk close into a microphone and it gives you sort of a chill down your spine. Um, a lot of them are using microphones um, that are able to create that very real sense of spatial audio. Um, and we're doing it with a plugin all under the hood. Um, so all you need is a headset to, to take advantage of that. And this will allow you when you're fighting to hear uh, enemies move in very specific places around you. Um, and you'll be able to swing out and hit them or block their attacks. And in exploration situations, you can be walking around and hear little tiny details in the environment and walk up to them to sort of explore them and unlock secrets. Um, so from a technical standpoint, um, nothing's really required there. In terms of controls, uh, the game is uh, does play on the keyboard, uh, which a lot of people will be familiar with, uh, standard keyboard controls for walking and, and moving. Um, and we have, um, I have, there's an advocate within the community in Canada that was adamant about making sure that this did play on a controller because he really felt that uh, the community, he wanted to basically expose the community to any, as many different control devices as possible and start normalizing the use of things like video game controllers and haptic feedback, haptic feedback, the rumble that controllers give you um, in order to um, get other companies like mine um, to think more about developing um, uh, different, game, uh, different games for the visually impaired community um, without um, I guess patronizing the, the community to a point. So this game works on controller. So if you do have a controller, um, it'll rumble when you get hit um, and you'll be able to use your right and left hands as you attack uh, are, are mapped to the right and left controller stick. So it's very intuitive, probably a little more intuitive than the keyboard, but um, it will work in both cases. Um, and you don't need visuals. So um, you could, um, sighted people could, um, you know, lie with a long extension cord next to their computer and, and listen to the game as they play. Um, and then, of course, it's fully accessible for the visually impaired. What uh, game systems or tablets or phones do we need to use in order to play the game? How do we ah, download yeah. it? Yep. It's um, now the game is um, we're not 100 percent sure about our, our release date right now. Um, we're actually uh, starting to talk with console developers who are interested in this. It's gotten just very recently a little bit of attention that's uh, made us trying to figure out when we should release this game um, because we don't want it to be up too close um, to uh, Christmas and things like that. Um, and um, we, uh, what else? Um, so right now the game is for launch on um, PC. That's where we're starting. But I think an obvious place to eventually go to with the game is mobile. Um, I think it'll bring it to a lot more people. So you would need a headset, a keyboard, and PC. And we, um, we also understand uh, we're launching on Steam, which is a big uh, platform. Um, but uh, I got a lot of feedback from the visually impaired community on Steam, and it's, it's a terribly inaccessible platform. Um, I'm actually working on trying to get them to change the way they're working. Um, however, we're going with a, a relatively new platform called itch.io, which uh, the community, at least in Canada, is very favorable toward in terms of being able to get the game. So you'll be able to find the game very shortly, at least uh, maybe some demos and that sort of thing um, on itch.io. Um, and um, we have a mailing list on our website. So anybody who is, is interested in the game can go to uh, fallingsquirrel.com and find the Veil page there. Um, and they'll be able to sign up for a um, newsletter and we'll send out information about exactly where the game um, is available and when. Who are some of the supporters of the game? 
Um, well, in terms of development, the, the CNIB has been amazing in giving us a facility to house um, focus testing groups, helping us bring in people from the community to try out the game. Um, obviously, promotion of the game within the community. Um, that's one of the big partners. Uh, we have um, in Canada, a um, Ontario and, Can and federal funders for art and video game projects. In this case, uh, Ontario Creates um, has given us uh, the bulk of the, the financing for the game. Um, and we also were fortunate enough to win an award at uh, a indie game showcase um, hosted by Ubisoft here in Toronto. And they also put towards money, uh, put money towards the game and uh, also um, help advise on, on some of the design elements of the game as part of a mentorship program, which was fantastic. Yeah, and Ubisoft's definitely a leading video game company. It's exciting that they're sponsoring your work. Uh, yeah, they and they do a great job here in Canada. They're very uh, community focused, and they're they're a, a big supporter of indie games here. Um, how long is the gameplay? Uh, it, it times out to be somewhere around five hours. I think as a as a relatively narrow playthrough. Um, uh, if you take your time exploring areas, um, I, that will extend the, the play time. Um, and uh, it, it's funny. It's uh, this was a big decision I felt we had to make in in setting how long we thought this game should be, because it's so story focused. I wanted it to be a game that you can play and understand the full impact of the story. Um, that it's that's uh, relatively contained. It doesn't take you like twenty hours just to get to the end of the story. But I also wanted there to be a, enough gameplay to make it feel like a, a proper RPG or robust, a, a relatively robust game. So we, we sort of figured that number was around five plus, five hours, and, and, and then again, with more exploration, maybe you could double that if you really took your time with the game. Uh, plus, you can play the game on different difficulty settings. So there's, um, for casual gamers, you can come in and play the game relatively easily straight through on an easy setting. And uh, a lot of people in the community, I don't know if you're familiar with a game called Swamp, but there's some pretty hardcore gamers out there who really wanted a challenge. So I wanted to make sure that on, on second playthroughs, or maybe even if you're up for it on a first playthrough, you can play a very, very hard version of the game um, if you want the challenge. So that also extends the gameplay. That's, that's very good. But what if, what if people want to save the game and come back to it later? Can they do that? Oh, yes, of course, yeah. Um, for me, it's more about... Um, uh, those like a big, uh, big, big RPG, uh, a game like um, uh, Skyrim or something, you, you would need to put in uh, 40, 80 hours just to get to the end of the game and understand the whole story. So I wanted an experience that could be played uh, in one sitting for five uh, or six hours or a couple sittings so you could appreciate it and not kind of forget about it and can't remember what had happened in the story. Um, but certainly, um, it, uh, the, there's a progress saving. You can save, obviously, the loot and things you have. Um, so, um, yeah, there's no, there's no limit to when you have to play this game. Um, it's more to, to do with um, what I felt was a, a good sort of um, maybe weekend or, or week of gaming. Uh, and then afterwards, maybe challenging yourself on some harder levels for fun. Have you gone to any blind or visually impaired groups and tried out the game with them? And what have they thought about the game? Yeah, um, the CNIB um, has been a supporter and they have uh, helped me gather um, groups of, of people interested in video games. And uh, we've had three or four play sessions set up in Toronto um, through the organization. 
and the uh, they at the the um, these uh, what do you call it? these focused uh, tests? Sorry, excuse me. These um, play test sessions have been invaluable for the development of the game. And the the biggest thing we realized, and I I should have seen this, but uh, um, the the one thing that was very clear to me after meeting with people from the community is there's a huge diversity in people's interests in video games. Uh, we had uh, people coming to these sessions who were. Uh, never played a video game before, and were just very interested in the idea that there was a game that they could play. Uh, even though there's there's a um, there is a whole community of of gamers out there in the in the community, uh, they were not part of that, and they they knew very little about it. So our game was an introduction to that. Um, so they were people that really liked the exploration aspects of the game. Uh, they liked fighting uh, in terms of like the action feel of it, but of course they they wanted it to be relatively. Um, easy and accessible um, and then there was uh, another group that also came to the um, focused testing sessions um, who were, have really been pushing me to make a game that has that's challenging um, from a combat standpoint um, so the feedback is very divided between these two groups um, both very excited about the game but it's it's been a main reason I've had I've added difficulty settings to the game so that people who are looking for story and adventure and exploration and a casual experience can get through the game and get all those things. Uh, and then somebody who's looking for challenging combat um, can set the game so it can be, so it can be challenging. And um, it, again, overwhelmingly positive feedback. Um, uh, but again, it, it really made me aware of how diverse the community is uh, in, in everything, de demographics, age, um, gender, um, a, a huge amount of diversity. How can our listeners learn more about the veil? Uh, we have a uh, a web page at fallingsquirrel.com. Um, it's uh, I, I believe the actual veil web page, which is you can you can navigate from there, is um, is fallingsquirrel.com. I think like backslash the slash veil or something. It's not the greatest URL in the world, but uh, anyway, you can navigate it from fallingsquirrel.com. And again, we have a mailing list, which we will send out. We're not going to spam anybody. We're, we'll send out appropriate announcements, letting them know, uh, letting them know more about the game. Um, and probably most importantly, people are interested in the game. Um, I will be sending out um, a demo within the next two weeks. Um, we're going to PAX West, which is a big game conference. And uh, again, anybody who wants to know more about the game can go to the website, um, sign up for the mailing list, and uh, we would love to have people from the community play the game and give us feedback if they're willing. Um, it's been a big part of the development of this game, and I'd like to continue that and bring on more people, more voices, um, to help me with the development of, of this project. Dave, we, knew, we hope that the blind and visually impaired will play the veil, and with sighted listeners, too. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Brian. This is great. You're very welcome. Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website at speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org. And my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash uh dash blind. 
Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows, ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Here is the schedule for Speaking Out for the Blind on ACB Radio Mainstream. All times listed are in Eastern and Pacific. Monday, 4.30 a.m. and p.m. Wednesday, 10.30 p.m. Thursday, 10.30 a.m. Friday, 8 p.m. Saturday, 8 a.m. Speaking Out for the Blind on ACB Radio Mainstream. Brought to us by the American Council of the Blind. The American Council of the Blind has established the Legacy Society to honor and recognize individuals who have communicated their intentions to include ACB in their estate plans via a bequest or another type of planned gift. We want to acknowledge individuals for including ACB in their will while they are still living so that we can thank them for their commitment to perpetuating ACB's good work for years to come. Says ACB President Kim Charlson, more information about the Legacy Society and how you can help is available from Tom Tobin, Director of Development at ttobin, T-T-O-B-I-N, at acb.org, or by phone at 800-424-8666, option 5. Thank you for listening to ACB Radio and for considering ACB's future financial needs. ACB Radio.